What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BT Podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, my name is Danny, the online pastor at BT Church and your host for the podcast. In today's conversation, we are continuing our, our uh, just kind of diving into the global concern aspect of BT Church. And we have some very special guests with us, uh, some family from Queens Church in New York City. Uh, as you're tuning in, uh, please share uh, the podcast with all your friends on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Let people know this conversation happened. Enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome uh, to the podcast. And uh, today's episode, we have some amazing special guests with us. Uh, this is our QC family. So really quick, introduce who you are and what you do at the church. Go for it. Awesome. Uh, my name is Lindsay Mayberry, and I am one of the church planters, married to Larry. Been in New York 10 years. Um, nice. Living in the neighborhood. Yeah. Larry Mayberry, church planter. David Lopez, Youth Team Adult Director at Queen Church. Nice. Awesome. And so uh, I know for some of you guys tuning in right now, you un- you know that BT uh, really has four pillars that we stand on, like part of our mission statement. It's uh, biblical teaching, relevant worship, global concern, authentic community. And so what we're doing with today's episode is kind of diving deeper into the global concern aspect to where uh, BT desires to be a church that uh, lives beyond the four walls. We uh, do missions locally, but also globally, that we have a concern for the gospel movement across uh, really the world. And so uh, so maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but we partner with so many organizations uh, that are living uh, gospel-centered uh, mission lives uh, and uh, so Queen's Church is one of those organizations, and it's close to my heart because uh, Summer and I got to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and so what we're going to do today is just kind of dive deeper into the Queen's Church story that maybe uh, here's some stories you've never heard before. Here's some things that God is doing in Queen's, New York City. Uh, and man, it's going to be super exciting. And so let's kind of like get after it. Uh, so right now, uh, I'll start with you, Larry. Give us the Queen's Church story in 15 to 30 seconds. What do you got? Uh, yeah, 15 seconds. Um Lindsay and I were planting a church in Astoria, a, a next door neighborhood to um, where Queens Church is. And we began picking up trash with some uh, people that we loved and knew mm. from the neighborhood in the Woodside Houses, which is a government run projects there. And we met a the tenant association president who said there had never been a church to serve that neighborhood in her entire lifetime. Mm. Wow. Since she, she had lived, she's in her 60s. She had lived there since she was um, about eight. So never a church served the neighborhood. At that moment, we knew we wanted to plant a church there. And um, by now, there's been over 20 people who accepted Christ and wow. gotten baptized and uh, life transformation has happened and a church has been born. All that started from... Good job. 15 seconds. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was Probably more than 15. It was a little, yeah, but 17 30, and a half. So whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, all that started from picking up trash. That was it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we had been praying. We, we yeah. knew we wanted to plant a church in the neighborhood um, or, or around Queens, Western Queens, um, where there's 750,000 people. At mm-hmm. the time, there was eight English speaking gospel centered churches across a few different denominations. Now there's 12. Um, okay. But so, yeah, uh, it started with it started with prayer and trash. The, pr- the trash thing started because a, a woman who was working with us at the time, her name is Winter. Um, I assigned her like, hey, let's look for some ways that we can serve the community. And um, she began praying and she was like, I kept walking. She lived on, on a street that passed through. You had to pass through the projects to mm-hmm. get to the subway. And she noticed she was going around, you know, like that was like the regular thing. It's a little bit farther of a walk. You just go around the projects. Yeah. And she just com- got convicted in her prayer life. I'm going to start walking through the projects. Mm. So she did. And it was at that time she noticed there was trash everywhere. Um, so she said, hey, I think what we should do is pick up trash here. Wow. So, uh Let's dive uh, deeper into that a little bit. You talked about going around versus going through. Uh, 
what's the motivation for people to want to go around and, and why do they not go through? Yeah, I mean, some of us perceived that the projects are more dangerous or, yeah. you know, they are they are dirtier. It's not as nice of a walk. Some of that's perceived. Some of it's real. Um, is it more dangerous for a white girl to walk through the projects in Queens, you know, probably late at night? Probably, yeah. In mm-hmm. the daytime, no. Which is why ultimately she decided to go ahead and do it. Yeah. But uh, so some of it's perceived, some of it's real. And then, you know, I think it's just kind of going with the flow, like the poor and the marginalized are ignored a lot in our culture in general. So mm-hmm. if they live right in my neighborhood, we would normally not buck the trend and just, mm-hmm. well, I'll kind of ignore them in my own little way too. Not consciously, you know, right. winter was not doing that consciously. None of us were, but, um, you know, subconsciously we yeah. kind of are. No, that's good. <laughs> a lot. Uh, Lindsay, you mentioned a while ago that you've been in New York for 10 years. Yep. So not from New York city. No. Uh, so where are you from and, uh, what was like the motivation to want to move there? We are from Houston originally. Um, H-town. Yeah. Went to college there and we're uh, pastoring at a church there um, with the youth. And God just began to stir in our hearts. Well, mostly in Larry's heart um, to move to an urban context. We got contacted by Daniel and Carrie, the people that mm-hmm. we planted our first church with. Um, and they said, hey, we're moving to New York. We want you guys to come with us. And I was a hard no um, for a, a while at yeah. the beginning. Um, and God just really changed my heart, softened mm-hmm. my heart. We were going through a lot of change as a family. Um, but I just knew that, you know, we had parents who were pushing us to be obedient to what God was calling us to do. And it mm-hmm. was a big change for us. But every, you know, Pastor Chris talked about provision yesterday. Like mm-hmm. my mind was just whirling of yeah the ways that God provided for us. Um, and so it was a, it was a big change, but a couple months later we hopped on an airplane and moved to New York and just wanted to like make New York home. Obviously as outsiders, there's a temptation to just come in and go. Right. Um, but you really have to, in order to to succeed, you have to make a place home first. And, or at Mm -hmm. least we felt passionate about that. And so we just lived there for a couple months, kind of got our roots deep, made memories and then just trusted God to kind of move us forward in yeah. in the craziness. But yeah. yeah, what we did was called is called pioneer church planting in the church planting world. Like you go where where um, no one that you know is to try to plant a church, yeah. and that can often become um, like colonizing church planting mm-hmm. if you're not careful. And so that's what she means by we wanted to make it home before we planted so that we weren't colonizing. Mm -hmm. It's okay to pioneer. Like uh, you'll hear David's story in a minute. You know, he's from New York. He doesn't feel like we colonized the neighborhood, (laughs) but that's because we on purpose. Well, he, he has never told me he does. (laughs) (laughs) This would be a great time to let that out. Confession time. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what I mean by like make it home is is so that it's, it's done. It's done from an appropriate um, perspective. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's so good. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and so with that, like, you know, you, you moved from Texas to New York City. Uh, tell us the dynamics of the neighborhood. You talked about a little bit with, uh, you know, the idea of going around versus going through the projects. But, uh, you know, the neighborhood is also more than just the projects, too. And so what's uh, just context of the neighborhood in general that, you know, you enjoy? Yeah. Um, so I had the opportunity to come into this story a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I joined the team in September. Was yeah. it? Yeah, September. Of 2020. Right, of 2020. So one of the interesting things, I grew up in New York City, been in New York for, for 25 years. Uh, I left for four years to go to college. So I was in Indiana for four years, but even then, going back and forth nice, uh, yeah. in, in, from New York to, to there. And I grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, I went to church in Queens, and then I went to school in Manhattan. So I've been able to touch a few things. But the incredible thing, but also the kind of daunting thing about New York City is how large it is Mm. and how there are so many different cultures, so many different people groups. 
um, in slightly different areas across the street. Yeah. You'll see uh, a Greek community. Then from there, you'll have an Arab community. From there, you'll have primarily uh, uh, primarily Asian community. And it's, that's on like four corners. Right. It's, right. Right. it's nuts. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, growing up in Bushwick, I went to Woodside and it felt like a completely different place. Mm. I remember uh, chatting with Larry. Actually, I was, I was chatting with you and we were walking around as we were going through the interview process to mm-hmm. become part of uh, Queen's Church and learning about how diverse the community is ethnically, uh, economically, uh, even... Yeah. Uh, culturally, because you'll have some people who are from two ethnic backgrounds that are completely different, but have a very similar culture. And you'll see so many differences. Uh, so one of the most interesting things that I love about QC is actually where it's placed geographically. Mm. So we're right across the street, uh, our, our ministry center, where we primarily are, it's our launching pad for yeah. ministry. Um, we're right across the street from Woodside Houses, Lair's describing before, but then across the street, we have Boulevard Gardens which is a middle-class uh, housing apartment right. complex, yep. which just symbolically has this really interesting, sometimes difficult dynamic where you have incredibly poor people and people who think they're perfectly fine. Mm. And at like 20 steps away. Right, from 20 yeah. steps. It's, yeah. it's nuts. They meet at CVS. <laughs> right, yeah. and, that, and yeah. that's yeah. it. Right? That's they don't shop ground. at the same place. Yeah. They don't really go to the same parks. They're uh, in completely different schools. It yep. is incredibly difficult. So yeah. one of the uh, of the challenges, but also uh, one of the joys has been watching those two communities mm-hmm. interact and come to a, a gospel-centered love for one another. And that's really, I believe, one of the goals of, of Queen's Church. Those two places yeah. you described, uh, Woodside Houses, Boulevard Gardens, um, off the top of your head, what are the population of those places? Who, uh, in regards to yeah, just how, like size? how many people live there? Yeah, basically, like I, I don't know. In that radius, <laughs> yeah. houses is around seven thousand population, um, and Boulevard Gardens is around four thousand population. So it's a little mm. less. It's it's more spread out. It has more acreage, yeah. but it's a little bit less. Yeah. So you're talking yeah. thirteen thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> in two in two yeah. apartment complexes. Yeah. yeah, and that's just apartment. Can, that's not yeah. including because on know, these yeah. other those are on adjacent blocks, right? On the, all these other blocks are just lined with yeah. two and three family homes right. that have you know, two and three families in each right. of them. Yeah. So in, in the, in the direct, like within a half a mile, um, radius of the ministry center, there's about 20,000 people Yeah. Mm-hmm. with a half a mile radius. Right. Which is nuts because all of them have radically different styles of living. Yeah. Right. To, to live so. in a house yeah. versus living in an apartment complex versus living in the projects are radically different. Yeah. So your, your, your cultural understandings are even completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, just from, from that very basic fact, let alone the financial ability of each person, let mm-hmm. alone their ethnic background and all that. It's, it's really, really nuts. Now, uh, in the ministry center, can you fit 20,000 people? Not yeah, yeah, totally. Close. <laughs> Close. <laughs> With BT's help. <laughs> that was a good, that's a good segue. That's, that's, no, no. that's so awesome. Uh, so you can just do like, you know, 30 services on a Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's another option right there. Uh, and so, Lindsay, I'd love to ask you a question. Uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, maybe people meet you or they meet Larry. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times you're the, the, plat, the pastor's wife. Uh, but I believe that you're not just a church planter's wife. You are a church planter yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so what are ways that you love getting into the community and just meeting people uh, in hopes of sharing the gospel or hopes of getting them to Queens Church, kind of things like that? Yeah. Um, I think my main area of ministry before COVID um, BC. was I know right? <laughs> BC. Um, was really being in the school system with my kids where 
passionate about our kids being plugged into a, a school that's there in the community. And so they're close, they're kind of in between our house and the ministry center, mm-hmm. um, their school. And so just that natural rhythm of life of walking them to school and getting them to and from meeting families, talking to teachers, um, you know, being out in the neighborhood, being at playgrounds, meeting families and talking to them. Um, I, I am very passionate about that. This is not just his yeah. deal. Um, and it's I, not sustainable. We learned early on, it was not going to be sustainable for us to be this far away from family mm. in who lives in Texas. If it was like Larry's church planting a church and Lindsay's with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I'm grateful that God has given me that heart that because I, I do think that we will be more successful and, and there will be more support there, that there will be a stronger uh, passion for what God is doing. Um, and so, I mean, you know, it's small ways. I do have four kids. And so like, I have to kind of go with my natural rhythms of life, but, um, just trying to see who is, who's in front of me during my day. Mm. Um, and then right now also, you know, I, I did start a business and so I'm looking to, um, try to love on my clients as well. What's the business? In a, Yes. Um, my business is uh, a home organizing and decorating business. It's at Simple Space NYC. At That's her business. Simple Space NYC. Follow yes. for follow. Yes. Um, and, you know, God's blessing it. And I'm very grateful for that. And I have I'm trying to remind myself that I'm not as available to be out in the community right mm-hmm. now because we are still virtual schooling. Yeah. Um, so you just using the opportunities to love on those clients as well That's good. while I'm working with them. So, uh, Getting into it a little bit. Yeah. Simple space. Um, <laughs> there's a big motivation for why you did this. Yeah. So you have four kids. Mm-hmm. And at one point, what was the size of your living space? Yes. Um, we have lived in about 650 square feet for the last four, right. four and a half years. Four and a half years. Yeah. 650 or 6,500? 650 oh, okay. square feet. For the, Second for the floor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one bathroom. Yeah, which was our fourth apartment in five years, like wow. of living in New York, um, and that kind of pushed me every time we moved to uh, be more creative and how to thrive as mm-hmm. a family. Um, New York living is just totally different, and yeah. so in that push and in helping other friends um, who kind of struggle with the same thing, yeah. that's that's where my passion kind of grew out of. Man, so. 650 square feet, six people. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. at 100 like, square feet. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, there is yeah. no unused space <laughs> in our home. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Every area is a high traffic area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so. so good. Uh, thanks for sharing on that. Yeah. Thanks uh, for asking. David, you mentioned that you grew up in New York City. Yeah. Uh, you know, born and raised there. Uh, also, just from knowing you a little bit, knowing your story, you also grew up in the church. Uh, mm-hmm. So a question I'd love to ask you, um, you know, because you kind of see this dynamic of people moving into New York City, planning a church, and you kind of were part of a church growing up and those sort of things. Um, and so how, how do you see like really the mission of the gospel being accomplished in a city like New York? Yeah. So I'm going to use um, some thinking that actually came from from Tim Keller, where he splits up the city in two major parts. So you have Center City, which is um, primarily top of Central Park in Manhattan, all the way down, and then stretching a little bit into Long Island City and then like Williamsburg kind of area, or right, Center City, which is primarily um, wealthy, primarily white, uh, working or professionals um, within the age range of, I want to say, what is it, like 25 to like 40, 40 50? Yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, some somewhere around there. Um, where we're ministering is not primarily there. Yeah. Uh, and where I grew up is not primarily there. We're ministering in the boroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that demographic, I would love to be able to to boil it down to something, but I really can't. Like <laughs> it's it's so it's so because you can go uh, like Crown Heights and they have some beautiful million dollar homes out there, all the way down to again Woodside houses where you're in the projects, right? So you can't really um, divide it up too too easily in that way. But uh, I bring that up to say. You have some people who come from other states, um, they come in and they primarily impact Center City. And the reason that is, is mm-hmm. that uh, New York is a very transient city. So you have a lot of people who are coming in to like, I want to be an actor now, mm-hmm. or I want to find my perfect job or whatever. And um, and they come and they really need a slice from home. So a church planter comes in mm-hmm. and they're able to attract people who really want that slice of home or wow. really need community or really need family. And that's a beautiful, awesome sure. thing because yeah. they are absolutely yeah. a part of New York City as well. Um, however, the people that we're ministering to tend to be from New York mm. or tend to be uh, born and raised here. And what that gives you is this dynamic of either you feel like you're stuck and like you can't go anywhere else. So I just have to make it till tomorrow. That is wow. my goal is make it till tomorrow. Yeah. Feed my kids. I just that's that's what I got to do. Or you want to get out of New York. Your goal is to just up and leave. Mm. So what that end, what ends up happening is a lot of the people who are able to have leadership positions or a lot of really bright young people who grew up in New York leave. Mm. So what that means for ministry is that <laughs> you have very few leaders who are sticking around and are able to pastor people or love people yeah. Who are here because they're tempted to just get out and go. Or you have other people who would be incredible leaders, but they just feel stuck. They feel like they, they there is no hope. There's nothing left to do. I just have to get to tomorrow. Um, so one of the things that's been uh, incredibly helpful for me is helping to provide people hope. Yeah. To say that the gospel provides us the ability to live in difficult conditions, mm. to uh, meet people who are radically different than us, and to show them love and kindness, and to build communities of people who come from different perspectives and create an entirely new family. Yeah. That instead of being stuck or instead of causing you to leave, you can actually thrive here wow. in New York City. Because God is the kind of God who doesn't just stay in his glory, but he comes and incarnates. He comes to us. And that's the kind of community that we are, or the kind of community that comes into the difficulty, into the struggle, and is able to bring people hope. Um, so that part of the gospel, I think, has been able to really speak to people. Mm. Um, and it's something that I'm super, super passionate about. And that's why I do not want to leave New York. Yeah. We were actually at uh, at lunch yesterday, um, and I believe it was Liv who asked us if we want to, uh, would you ever leave New York? Right. And instantly, no, yeah. not at all, never. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. take a split second right. time to that question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't really tell if you're passionate about that or not. I know. So, <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna throw a shoe at you. <laughs> uh, man, that's that was a phenomenal answer. Uh, I love that and love seeing your passion and yeah. um, you know you guys got a good one in David. Yeah, uh, and so uh, I'll quickly share how David got connected to Queens Church because I had a little bit of a role in that. Huge um, role. I. I it's because of me that David is here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, he wanted you to say that. Right. Danny's middle name is Providence. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, as uh, a lot of you probably already heard, Summer and I were a part of the launching of Queen's Church. We moved there to see this whole thing happen. And uh, our original vision, um, you know, was we had no idea how long we'd be in New York. Uh, but our hope, we, we knew we were called at that moment to go. So we went. Uh, and uh, after some time, God was calling us out of the city, uh, out of uh, Queens Church, and we also knew that 
uh, I was just praying like God provides somebody. And so uh, I had a couple of guys of friends that I knew and I just said, hey, give me a name. Hey, give me a name. I texted two different people uh, and both of them gave me the same name was David. Uh, and so I was like, all right, same name. So I, something's got to be going on here. Uh, after a couple of phone calls, Zoom chats, and then David walking around Woodside with us, uh, I just knew that, uh, man, God was doing something uh, through David. And for me, when, when I think about it, uh, I love the fact that that you're from the city because uh, you're going to be able to serve that city, serve Queen's Church specifically in a way that I don't think I ever could. Uh, and so I love the fact that you are now on the team. So, uh, man, grateful for you, bro. And yeah, uh, I know that you are grateful for him as well. For sure. Uh, and so... Uh, so with that, what I'd love to talk about is, uh, Queen's church is a pretty new church. Uh, and, uh, I love some of the stories that kind of come out of that. Uh, you know, for Queen's church, we started off in a, in an elementary school, moving to high school, like that struggle of church planting, always trying to find a location to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what have been some of the difficulties of church planting, uh, in your context, uh, kind of thinking about maybe location, space, those sort of things. What have been some of those like hard moments of trying to make church happen? So. I think, yeah, you haven't spoken in a while. So I think I think you nailed it with the location thing. That is a big difficulty of church planting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those things that is, um, you know you're going to have to get in that spot where it's going to be hard to find something once you start church planting, but you don't think you're going to have to do that every three months, <laughs> which is what <laughs> happened to us. You, know, right. uh, you were there, launch Sunday. It was great. We had an awesome time. We had been working toward this launch for a year, and then Monday morning, 9 a.m. after Sunday, the principal called me and said, you can't meet at school anymore. Yeah. So it was just like a sucker punch, you know, and then that's happened a couple other times, but it's that at the end of the day, that's at the, sorry, not at the end of the day, at this point in our church planning uh, journey with Queen's church, that is like a secondary issue because it doesn't really matter if we have a place to meet at this point. One right. of the things that COVID has been good with is really solidifying the community. And yeah. if we had to go online tomorrow, we could, and we're not mm-hmm. going to lose people because right. of it. Right. Yeah, so good. like it, it's going to be stressful for me and David and Lindsay, like trying to find a space, a few others on our leadership team who will, who will get after it, try to find a space, but it's not a difficulty that's like deep rooted. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that he was talking about um, with regard to what it's like to serve with New Yorkers and try to help them see that the difficulties of living there, that God does provide hope for that. To mm-hmm. me, that's more of a difficulty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like um, yeah. we have a guy in our church who just got saved over COVID online, baptized in our backyard in July. Um, you were there, you yeah. led worship at that service. Uh, his name's Harvey. And, you know, he's coming out of, he's in his fifties. He's coming out of just a lifetime of, in his words, just completely turning his back toward God. Mm-hmm. 100%. And he did a 180 and now he's pursuing God and these things just start hitting him, right? He loses a family member to gun violence in our community. Mm-hmm. He loses a family member to a freak accident. He gets sick and finds out he needs surgery. His wife gets sick and finds out she needs multiple surgeries. Just yeah. thing after thing after thing after thing. And it's not necessarily that he didn't have bad things happen before he got saved, but now he's pursuing God and the enemy is just knocking him down mm-hmm. over and over again. So I think the difficulty for me is doing the reason that it's not that it's not that the guys who he's talking about who plant churches in the center city part for that specific purpose have bad intentions. Mo- the vast majority of them don't. But what we're doing, I'm, I'm not saying I am saying what we're doing is harder, but I'm saying because <laughs> it, 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 it is. is. No, yeah, it, it is. is. But, yeah. And the reason it's harder is not the location or the mm-hmm. finances right. or the whatever. Those are the, you know, like, yes, it's harder for us to raise four kids in New York City than it would be in McAllen or something like that because of certain things. But the difficulty of um, staying with people, you know, like uh, to quote Tim Keller again, yeah. you know, he's from our city. So we use he's a he's a great guide for um, for pastoring in our city because he's done some of these things well. 
But he said the greatest act of love Jesus ever did isn't going to the cross, but it's in that enduring the pain and, and, and the ridicule and the shame. Mm. He stayed on the cross. Wow. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people can go into the place where it's difficult, but not a lot of people can stay yeah. and remain. Yeah. And it is by the power of God that church planters can, uh, yeah, like us, can try to stay in the community with, with someone like Harvey because that's just one of multiple stories of people that it's tough. It's just, it's hard to see them struggle. It's hard yeah. to see, it's hard to be, be with them while they're struggling. Um, anyway, that's kind of like a general thing. I know any pastor li- listening, to this could be like, yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing that now. I'm not even a church planter. Yeah. So it's part of that's just ministry. Yeah. But that, yeah, that, that, that is one of the that's big good. difficulties for me. And I just wanted to add to kind of throw the word provision around again. I feel like it has been a very tangible reminder in losing our locations and losing our, mm. our places of worship that we all know this, right? But it's been a very tangible reminder that the church is not the building. Wow. Yeah, yeah. For the sure. church is the people. And that's the hard part that we, <clears throat> to stick with the people. If you have a building and you're distracted with, okay, we've got to make it look good. We've got to mm. get it perfect. We've got to raise the funds to keep the building. Like, yes, we want a space for our church, but it's just been this, I think it's been a gift, especially even just listening to you right now to say, hey, let's focus on our people. Let's just love and pour into our people. And again, if we were to lose our building tomorrow, we would, we would probably thrive because our church family, our, our people are growing. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say one more thing too, about the difficulty part. I think we forget sometimes I forget sometimes I won't throw anybody else in this, that the devil is not omniscient Mm -hmm. because he doesn't know the future. He is surprised when people go from death to life. Mm -hmm. So when Harvey got saved, that surprised Satan. He didn't know (laughs) that was going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when his, when Satan's territory that he has owned for a while, or he has been leasing, you know, from God for a while (laughs) of Harvey starts to get pushback. Yeah. He doesn't know what's happening. He just sees this guy is not, you know, he's pursuing God and and I don't like that. So he doesn't know that's happening when that starts happening at a fast rate. That's when I feel like things that temptation increases, everything Mm -hmm. ratchets up his attack. He goes more on the attack where he might have been just being able to sit back and just watch at that point. So that all of these things that we see difficulties are because of like, yeah, this is some, some territory that hasn't seen a revival since 1850. Mm. This territory is getting pushed back in a way that, uh, that hasn't happened since 160 years ago. Yeah. So Satan's not really happy about it. That's so good, man. (laughs) Uh, David, give us a joy being a part of Queen's Church right now. Oh, yeah. Um, the the main ones are that it is a family of people who I think Larry said it before who remain. Mm. The number of texts, mm. the number of calls I've gotten to help someone just move, and <laughs> yeah. the fact and the fact <laughs> that that Larry and Lindsay are at all of them mm. is incredibly mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Because again, ministry. There's also, I mean, I won't go into the economics of New York City too much, but there's a trend also for, uh, and I use air quotes for for pastors, because there's some people who buy a building, call it a church, don't have to pay property tax now, mm-hmm. and use it to do other stuff, right? Uh, so you have people who come looking for hope, and they're not having service, they're not having Bible study. These buildings just exist so they can use it for something else, right? So so there's this this false ministry that happens sometimes. There's confusing stuff. There's churches that are um, so ethnically 
um, rigid that you just you can't enter unless you're part of their right, uh, yeah. ethnic community. Right, and that's yeah. for good and batteries. All that stuff exists. The, the beautiful thing about being a part of Queen's Church is it feels like a real family of God. Nice. Um, that I find teaching, I find correction, I find hope, I find joy, I find people who love me and who are there for me. Um, and being on staff there, I've felt that, so I can't imagine how much more for people who are just trying to make it through the week, yeah. right? That they feel that, and that's been that's been mind blowing. The resilience has been incredible from from the Mayberries, from other staff mm-hmm. members, from Candice, from Liv, uh, from talking to Harvey every single week. He stops by yeah. the, the center mm-hmm. with his Walks big his pit bull, yeah. yeah, who <laughs> looks like he could bench press me. Like, yeah. he's just this the pit bull or Harvey? Uh, the pit bull. <laughs> oh, okay. The pit bull is like, bro. Ridiculous. But Harvey looks like back in his thirties, he might he might yeah. have uh, given any of us a run for oh, money. Yeah. He, he's, sure, yeah. he's pretty pretty yeah. firm. Yeah. He's he's my favorite person to talk to all the yeah, time. Yeah, so I, I know Harvey too, and so we uh, there was a moment where I was like walking around the neighborhood, and Harvey was just like posting up outside of the <laughs> ministry center, yeah, which is like a high traffic walk area. There's stores and stuff like that, and I remember thinking like. I think we're safe. Like if he's protecting this spot, yeah. like we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, important, it's important it to note for the listeners too, or viewers that uh, Harvey's son mm-hmm. got saved and baptized Amen. too, a few months after him, wow. tw- adult son. And Harvey hasn't stopped bringing the people to church since oh. yeah. we're praying for his wife, Bianca. You guys can pray for her salvation. Well. Several people in his family have come uh, now that we started meeting back in person too. So he's his mom. And, and from my understanding, Oh yeah. His mom. And his, yeah. He came because he got a free cup of coffee, coffee one day, right? Yep. Yeah. You oh, were there. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, we I just know saw what, him on the side of the road. We got to yeah. do that again. Yeah. Coffee giveaways. Yeah, yeah, give away some coffee. Yeah, so it's uh, man, so good. Um, so as we kind of uh, close off the conversation, one thing I'll talk about is, you know, for all of us, but we're called to ministry. Uh, you know, for some, you make these uh, crazy moves across the country or even just uh, for David, I love how you explained, you went from Bushwick, Brooklyn to mm-hmm. Woodside, Queens, which is... How far and miles apart? Four is that? miles. Yeah, yeah four miles. A different Which world. Which is a thirty-five minute drive. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or York. an hour and a half subway. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's it's a whole different world for you, though. And so, yeah. even making that move, it was a uh, maybe an uncomfortable uh, push forward towards your calling. And so, mm-hmm. um, I, I do believe that anybody tuning into this conversation right now maybe feel a push or a call to ministry. Or well, one, if you're a Christian, you have a calling. Uh, and so, um, what encouragement would you give to anybody that's pursuing a calling? that maybe feels doubtful, fearful, unsure uh, to going after what God has for them? Anyone of y'all can answer that. Yeah, I think discerning that call, what that is, is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I'm stealing this, so this is not property of David Lopez at all. <laughs> um, but there's uh, an internal call, external call, and a providential call. Right? So the you know and you know her. Right, you have that. I think that's super real. Yeah. Right, that God just impresses upon your heart. Hey, I need you to do this. Then the second one is external, which is split into two parts. Other people in your community, uh, like Lindsay, you were saying before that um, your your guys' parents were saying, "Hey, you should be obedient to God." Right, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you had Daniel who said, "You guys should come to New York." Yeah. The community mm-hmm. around you saying you should yeah. go, but that also encompasses. Do you have the skill to do whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, that, you know, um, there's this there's this saying that you may feel called to sing, but the congregation doesn't feel called to listen. <laughs> that, that'd be me if I ever felt called to sing. <laughs> the external call would prevent yeah, it. it would prevent you from doing that. And then there's the providential call. Does is, is God opening this door for you? Um, mm. You might feel called internally, even externally, but if God hasn't opened that door, you we're waiting for your moment, right? And it's going to come and, and you can trust God that he is going to make it happen because that's who he is. 
but um, you you get to wait for that call. So I think discerning that was super important for nice. me, at least figuring out okay. Am I supposed to do this right now? Um, I left a job, right, where I was making decent money in order to to jump into ministry because mm-hmm. I felt all three of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say discern, um, think about it, but then also have courage. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. have courage. That's good. I'd say that's a pretty, that's a great, um, like, well-rounded answer. The only thing I would add to that, or not even add to it, but say this is might how, how my might be how that happens in real life is like how Candace, our children's director Mm -hmm. uh, was called into ministry. Um, She took little steps toward it. So maybe, you know, if you're watching this now or listening and you've taken a couple of steps and now you're feeling uneasy again, and that might be because you're not taking all the steps God Mm -hmm. wants you to take yet. So she just mentioned, she knew we were going to plant a church. She knew she was going to be involved in it. She was a new Christian, but she also had four kids. So she asked me in the lobby of the other church we planted one day, uh, who's going to do the kids at Queen's Church, or at the new church. We didn't have a name for it then. And um, I said, we don't have that, you know, in yet. Uh, and, and she was like, okay, because, you know, that that would be really important to me and, you know, making sure that it's done well. I said, Candace, is God calling you to do the kids? <laughs> you know, that's like the external. Yeah. You know, I didn't know yeah. if she was called, but because I would never ask a, a single mom of four to be right. the children's minister. Yeah. To me, yeah. if I'm a single dad of four, I don't want to be the kids minister. Right. <laughs> Look at but kid. she said, <laughs> she said this, which might be you. She said, could I do that? Mm. Wow. So she had never even thought like yeah. I could be a children's minister, yeah. but she was taking those little baby steps. And, and I said, yes, of course, let's pray about that together. We began praying. So the pro that's the, that's the theory. The process mm-hmm. is then, you know, when you, when you think God's going to it, ask the question, um, follow, follow the leadership that's in place, uh, uh pray about it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, before long, she had a vision from God of what the children's ministry would look like wow. three years ago. And and I actually questioned her vision initially and said, a church plant can't have a children's ministry that goes from birth to fifth grade because we won't have enough volunteers for it. I told her that exact phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I said, I paused. I said, Candace, that was terrible church planting advice. That was, I was, <laughs> that was wrong of me. And yeah. she laughed and I was like, I'm serious. That was bad pastoring. <laughs> if God gave you that dream, let's pray for it. Mm. And now that we've seen that come to fruition, she, she, by her grit and hard work. Right. So like calling is, that's a theory. And then part of it's like, you just kind of got to, you got to step, which is where the courage he mentioned comes mm-hmm. in. You got to have courage. Can I just add the small detail? This is very basic level, but I was just thinking back on, um, you know, back to the beginning of our story, yeah. um, I think it's very important to analyze your your heart and your intentions mm. of why mm-hmm. why you feel called to do something, um, and and that's why I mentioned about my hesitation to move to New York and and t- basically telling God no for for a little while because I knew that if I said yes out of just New York City is really cool. Mm -hmm. Like what we're doing is cool. Church planters are cool. Like there's just this, you know, cool factor. I knew that it wouldn't, it wouldn't survive. Wow. Right. Um, And so I just think going the very basic level is just analyzing your own heart and your own intentions. Like, why do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. Or why, why do I think that this might be, is it, is it really truly to honor the Lord and to, be obedient to his calling or is it to somehow reflect back on myself? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, and so basic level, that's but. super, and, that's, and not super basic that's not basic. That's super important. If you're like me and you don't have any discernment, uh, the sp- discernment is not a spiritual gift that mm-hmm. is in my soul. Uh, you better be 
getting people who have discernment around you. Like she's yeah, my yeah. wife. So I had that. Yeah. If I, if I didn't, I would need, if you don't have a husband or wife who is a discerner or a person around you, you got to get around them before you make some big decision yeah, about your true. life. Cause they got to be discerning the spirit yeah. better than you. I love it. We, and then when the Holy spirit breaks through, you just got to obey. So mm. there was one Sunday at our church that um, Ryan Beasley, our great friend in and, Houston, and worship minister, in before Houston. we moved, yeah. Yep, and we sang the song. This was in the song was new. Uh, <laughs> that's how long ago this was. Uh, you are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. Mm. That lyric, and both of us just lost it, started crying in service. We were we were on opposite ends of the sanctuary. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. We got in the car on the way out, and we couldn't say it fast enough at the same time. I can remember driving up Piney Point Road in Houston and saying like, it's a big yes. Like that is our fear that's holding us back. God's giving us peace. He gave both of us peace right then. I thought I was a yes, you know, but I was still a no. Yeah. And she was a hard no. And it was a hard yes. Boom. Like that. Wow. Wow. So just obeying yeah. when the spirit breaks through. That's good. Yeah. But you were going to say something too. No, I mean, I was just going to follow up Lindsay and say, if you, uh, if you come and your intentions aren't good, we, we don't need you. Yeah, please stay home. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not helpful. And in fact, it could be very harmful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So, so please, but man, that's, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Obey, obey. I love it. Uh, so yeah, as you're tuning in right now, maybe, uh, you know, as BT, you tie to the church. Uh, one thing that you may realize or not that your portion of your tithe actually goes to uh, Queen's Church and goes to multiple organizations like Queen's Church that we partner with. Uh, and so what I would love just for our hearers and listeners to, to know is, is how can they connect with you guys with Queen's Church, uh, maybe on uh, social media, ways that they can just hear stories and see what's happening. Uh, but also maybe anybody tuning in or, or, or listening uh, has a desire to financially partner with you on above and beyond basis beyond their tithe. So what are some ways that they can do that? Yeah, there's a couple of uh, ways you can connect uh, with us better online at qns.church. So mm. at qns.church um, across all channels, YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram. But also if you just want to DM qns.church or me your email address, we do a, a monthly email with a little yeah. video update. You'll hear stories there. So our, our Instagram is like church facing. So you just get to keep up with us, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like if I follow to bt.church. But uh, the email is is more story driven, and you'll get to hear what your gifts are doing. Um, that's mm, a great way to keep uh, followed up. But yeah, I mean, if you want to individually partner above and beyond your tithe, then you could do that at uh, qns.church/give. Nice. You can give a, set up a monthly gift or one time gift there as well. That's good. And I just wanted to add too that if you maybe you're already supporting Queen's Church in some way, maybe you're already giving or you're already praying for us Mm. or whatever, but you want something more specific, um, and how you can love on us. Like if you read that email and you see someone, you know, be talked about in that email, that update, um, we have a whole church family that is just going through a lot of grief. Mm. And if, if Harvey is one example of something that he's going through and he's just having a really hard time right now, we've got a whole list of people that, people are struggling. They're hurting. We've had a lot of loss within our church family of people that they love that have, that have passed COVID or not related to that. Um, and it's just been a really hard and dark time for our church family. Mm-hmm. They're struggling, mm-hmm. they're grieving. So if you want something more specific, if you're a prayer warrior, like you, mm-hmm. the lady you mentioned earlier, you know, you can always reach out to us and and we'll give you a name. Yeah. We have specific people that we want to be poured into. And they're like, you know, we were talking about earlier, they're hungry for it. Mm-hmm. They want that prayer. They want that in, intentionality in their lives. So we'll give you a name and you can just be praying for Harvey and for his family and for the loss that they've experienced. Um, and we, again, we have a whole list of people. we can And a lot, of, so. a lot of people that you'd be praying for have no church background. 
So like this is their intro to the church. Yeah. yeah. Some people yeah. from another state want to pray for me when I'm going through my time of need. Like yeah. this this is to them that's church if that's what happens. Yeah. So yeah. Right. I love that. So good. Well, man, I deeply enjoyed this conversation. I uh, love you guys deeply. I uh, love Queens Church, and I am believing and praying that God has big plans for Queens Church Amen. and for you guys uh, there in New York City. So thank you all for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks thank for you. having us. Yeah. Appreciate it.